good morning and happy Mother's Day. Um, I, I wanted to start off with a story about motherhood, like uh, to kind of give you a picture of what it's like in my house, but I figured a picture might do a better job of describing the culture of my home um, and me as a mom. I know, yeah. So I just, that face is real. My face is real. Um, that's candid. I just wanted one good picture um, at the baseball game, just one good. Anybody else's family give them such, like on Mother's Day? Yeah, mm-hmm, I know. Yeah, but you guys take really good pictures, so it's not fair. I, like if I just wanted the picture perfect family, I feel like my family would do everything that they could to avoid that for me. On Mother's Day, my gift actually will be one good picture. Um, and since then, we've added a third son into the mix, and let me just tell you, he fits right along with it. He has just, just as much sass there. So if you guys wanted to know how I was doing as a mom, <laughs> I think I'm nailing it. Um, but today we are talking, we're continuing on in our circles series. And we've talked about this idea of circles and um, our relationships in those circles. We've talked about friendships and family circles. We've talked about um, church circles. And today we're talking about vocation and work. I believe that we can make a bigger impact at work and at home than we can relationally here on a Sunday. I saw on Instagram this girl I follow, she's a Christian comedian, and she just um, posted a picture of her and her coworkers going out for the first time since the pandemic. And she just titled it and said, pandemic coworkers equal high key friends, just like the best friends, because like them or not like them, can't say hate them, we're in church, but like them or not like them, we've just all gone through something together. Whether it's your coworkers or your family at home, we've all kind of gone through, there's this bond that we've gone through with a struggle, through this struggle this year. We've been talking about in these circles, how can we bring the transformation of Jesus? How can we be his vessel and work in, 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 in these circles of our lives? And what does that look like? So today we're talking about vocation. And this is something that I've always struggled with. I struggled with this for a really long time, this kind of like this idea of this calling into this certain career. I felt like it was just like this, this soulmate, but like a job. Like I just knew my job soulmate was out there somewhere. I just didn't know like what it was or like how I was gonna get it. And so for a long time, it was just something that kind of just weighed on me. It started off fun enough, like what do I wanna be when I grow up? And like, I was one of those people in high school, it just changed daily. Like at one point I wanted to be an FBI agent and they sent an FBI agent literally to our classroom and all he did was talk me out of it because he was like telling me how like difficult and the small percent, I was like, I quit already. And then there was like, you know, I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be, you know, Janet Jackson's background dancer, whatever. It was like every single day, I was just trying to find who I was. And so this idea of like this calling in this place where I wanted to be in life, it was fun enough until about, 10 years into adulthood and motherhood where I was found myself in a job still that I didn't want to be in. I was a young mom serving tables and I was there out of necessity. I was there to provide for my family and to put food on the table. And this was nothing of a calling and I didn't want to be there. And it just felt like something I couldn't get free from. And so I began to pray. And I remember going to a conference um, and this woman was preaching there and she said that God doesn't want you to be miserable at your job. God cares about what you do for work. God wants to use you and he has something for you to do in the workplace. 
And this was like this first kind of that I was hearing this and it was the first time I was hearing that. And she was just challenging this idea of like, you guys have heard that saying, just working for the weekend. And she was challenging that and saying, we spend so much time at work, we don't need to just like wait until the weekend to enjoy our lives and that God cared about this. And so I really began to pray, mostly for a way out. And as I began to pray, I was inviting God into this situation. The job didn't change, unfortunately, but it became more meaningful. And then in the church as well, I struggled because I would always hear like, oh, you're calling, you're calling. And I was like, I'm here, I'm here. And I just couldn't find it. Or, or if I thought that I was called to do something, the person in charge of that ministry didn't. And so I just really just felt like one thing after another, just closed doors at work, closed doors at the church. And it was just something that I just couldn't break through to. This became a source of really great pain for me. And I would just be so envious of those who just like knew what they were going to do with their lives. It didn't really matter what your job was. If you just like were settled and you didn't wake up every day wishing to be doing something else, I was envious of that. I just wanted to know. And I wanted to know I wasn't going to be bringing people ranch for the rest of my life. Y'all get upset about that ranch when it's not there with the food. This truly started a lifetime of prayer for me. Not having fulfillment in my job, not wanting to be there hour after hour, day after day. The more that this was difficult for me, the more my life of worship increased. And I began to seek God more and more. And the worse that the job circumstance and my life circumstance got, the more I sought God. And sometimes I just felt like God was just never going to answer me. Like, how long can I serve tables? But what I didn't realize at the time was that my calling was way bigger than a job. In 2 Corinthians, it says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling to the world, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sin against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. I was in Christ, and that was a calling of itself. There was this one time, this new manager came in and she just like bullied me. She just like picked on me. Have any of you guys ever had that happen? Like you're just like, what is your problem with me? And she literally, like she just started picking on things that like were in technically in the rule handbook, but like no one enforced them. The managers before didn't care. And she started coming at me just like, where's your five pins? That was in our uniform description. Like you gotta have five pins. Well, y'all steal pins. You're obsessed with rant and you steal pins. I'm just saying. <laughs> And so I'd get in trouble. Where's your five pins? I don't know. I only have three. You know, little things like that. And here I was not wanting to even be here in the first place, struggling to get through a shift. And now I had this new problem. And I just didn't know what to do. I was going through a Bible study at the time, and we were going through the book of Ephesians. And I'll never forget this verse that I came across in this perfect timing. And it says in Ephesians 6, Obey them 
I'm talking about those that you work for. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever they do. This verse didn't really seem fair or like a way out, but it was instruction. And I took it and I began to live it out. And I began to serve God in that place and find meaning there. I decided I was just going to come perfect. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to give you nothing to complain about. And I came with eight pens, counting for some of y'all to steal some. And I used my own paper instead of the printer paper, even though everyone else used printer paper. And I just was like, came with crisp, crisp sleeves. I got sent home one time because my sleeves were not creased. That's fine. I, I'm over it. I'm healed. And so I went, I'm like, I creased those sleeves like I was creasing them for the Lord. And I went to work. And you know, she didn't have anything left to complain about. She moved on to somebody else. But the other thing was is that it made me a better employee. It made me better at my job. See, sometimes we have to take the focus off what we're doing. And we have to put it on who we're doing it for. Dorothy Sayers is a poet. And she writes this about vocation. She says, The very first demand that a carpenter's religion should put on him is that he should make good tables. Like what good are we if we're just talking about Jesus but we're not doing our jobs well and we're not caring about our jobs and the work we're doing no matter what it is. God was molding me into his image and using me right where I was and he was starting to teach me this. There's this article, The Theology of Work, and I love this quote. It says, the call to a particular kind of work is secondary to the call to belong to Christ and to participate in his redemption of the world. You might not be in the job that you want, but you have every opportunity to live out your calling. The definition vocation says is our spiritual calling. And in this definition it says it's a calling to have a voice. And I guarantee you, Wherever you find yourself in a job you love or a job that you hate or at home doing work right now in the home, you have a voice, even if it's only to God through prayer. If it's in a job, if it's in a career, while staying at home, raising a family in retirement, your calling and vocation don't end when you retire and they don't exclude you when you're working at home. I know for many, when the world shut down, they just kind of felt this sense of loss, like, who am I? What is my purpose? What do I do? Am I worthy? And I felt this same way in this waiting forever for this job. I could identify with that because I just felt like I was waiting for my identity until my passions and my position matched. And so I was just kind of like in this holding pattern. And, you know, we see throughout Scripture, we see God's people just living out their calling just in some of the worst circumstances. We see Paul, who was thrown in prison for the sake of the gospel, just ministering to the guards. We see Joseph wrongfully accused and in prison, interpreting dreams right where he was. And that eventually led him out of prison. And we see Jacobed, Moses' mom, You know, moms are some of the strongest, selfless, resilient, brave, and protective people that I know. 
Talk about a calling. I've seen moms who have not birthed their own children step in and raise kids who are motherless or whose moms need help in the mothering. I've seen moms advocate for their children's education and take on entire systems. I've seen moms muster up the courage to make it through one more day after the loss of a child. And I've seen moms selflessly caring for the special needs their child was born with. What a vision of redemption at work, this painful and beautiful work. I love in Hosea that God speaks about himself as a mother bear, protective over his cubs, talking about the nation of Israel, saying that I will not let anything come and harm you and come against you. God is motherly. We get our attributes from God. We are created in the image of God. There's so much that we don't see that goes on behind the scenes in motherhood. Jochebed was Moses' mom. Most of you probably have not heard her name. But the story is, is that, she, that Pharaoh sent, um, he was going out to kill all the, the, the baby boys, and she had Moses. And so she hid him for three months, risking her own life, and then once he was at a point where he couldn't be hidden anymore, she crafted an indestructible basket, laid her three-month-old baby down in the basket and sent him on a river. Talk about courage and faith and trust and fear and sacrifice. And as we know, Moses then was used by God to free his people out of slavery, out of captivity. And God used Moses to perform miracles throughout um, the Old Testament. And it's all thanks to the actions of Jochebed that we don't see. Moms do a lot in the quiet. They live out that verse, that part in Ephesians that says, do it when no one's watching. I love this, art, this next um, quote out of this article, The Theology of Work. It says, his work of redemption can occur in every workplace through justice, healing, reconciliation, compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. Through justice, healing, and reconciliation. Your calling is not what you do for a paycheck. For some of you, that's a relief. For me, I know it would have been. For some of you, that's offensive. Because you are, your identity has kind of gotten caught up in what you do for a living. In this book, A Deeply Formed Life by Rich Vladis that I'm reading, it's a good book. And he talks a little bit on vocation. And he talks about how part of what can keep us from seeing our work as missional is two things, two ways of looking at work. We can demonize it, which is kind of what I was doing when I was talking about just hating it and just seeing it as something to be free from, or we can divinize it. He says this, he says, divinization of our work is when our salary becomes our God, our position represents our significance, and our success and ability to climb the ladder make us feel important. 
But for deeply formed persons on mission, our work is something that we're called to steward life with, not suck life from. Our sense of meaning is found in the love of God, not what we produce with our hands. And it's even true for education. Sometimes it's like we don't feel complete until we have this degree, and then we don't feel as good if, if it's not from a certain school. Like, there's just so much elitism that can come from that. And elitism is anti-Christ. But our identity is in Christ. In Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. As Americans, on average, we will spend 100,000 hours in the workplace. Imagine what can happen in this world if we were to live out our lives in our workplace with compassion and kindness and humility and on mission. As a working mom, I struggled a lot. There were times when I would have to go to work, and it was a very, very physical work, I'd have to go to work and my back was out. I couldn't afford shoes that would have supported and probably helped, let alone a chiropractor. And I remember going, I was going at one point to the doctor, but our insurance ran out um, before we can kind of get to any conclusions. And through this season, my relationship with God strengthened. It was like I needed him on a whole nother level. My prayer life became very consistent and I was literally relying on the presence of God to get through one more shift. I remember driving home and pulling into the garage and I would crawl on my hands and knees to the couch where I would just watch a little bit of TV to try and relax and then I would crawl on my hands and knees to the bed God used this painful struggle to draw me close to him, and I ended up, um, I ended up having, it, it ended up leading to some healing, and one of the ways was right here at Rancho. I came, and there's elders here, and they met me, and I came for prayer and for healing, and I just, I came in, and I was just kind of wanted them to just get it done. Like, just, can you just heal me? But they, what they wanted to do, they wanted to have this, this interaction. They wanted to talk about what was going on in my life. And they, they began to ask questions and, and pray over me. And they gave me wisdom that day that helps me still to this very day. But they also anointed me with oil, laid their hands on my back. And I was healed and able to go back to work. And we do that today still at Rancho. If you're in need of prayer and healing, we can put you in touch with our elders. And they can pray over you as well. I just had this incredible closeness with God. It was so, after that I was able to go back to work and I was able to um, just kind of look at work in this whole new way. I began to sense God's direction in the workplace. I began to sense his voice that he was now, him and I were still, we're now on this mission sort of together. And I ended up um, hearing him call me out of this job and so when I left this job, my manager was so upset 
And she was, she was like fighting me. You are not leaving. You are not leaving. And it just felt so good from where I had come to get to that place. And I was proud of the relationships that I had built. And I was proud of the work that I did. And I remember feeling like, okay, God, if you're calling me to this whole other place, which I believe that you are, it's got to be for my happiness. Like, clearly, he had ordered these steps. And I remember, like, it was, it, it was good in some way. It was better hours. It was closer to home. But I remember coming home and telling my husband once we started working there, I remember saying, like, it feels like something out of the twilight zone. Like, there was just something off about it. It was like nothing I had ever been around. It was in a town with a much lower income level. Um, there was a lot of poverty and... It was right, we were opening a restaurant in the middle of the recession. If you don't know kind of the dynamic of a restaurant business, the person who has the power to give the shifts actually has a lot of power over your income. There are better sections, there are better nights, and there are, you know, obviously as many nights or as little. And so there was this oppressive environment, and the man in charge was using this um, to... um, he was leveraging sexual favors for shifts for single moms who were trying to feed their families. And he knew, and it was just became a place where we just, you couldn't have a voice. You couldn't speak up because you would lose shifts. And every single one of us, were, we were just trying to feed our families. And we were struggling. And it wasn't just him. There was just a lot of darkness in that place. And that was something that I hadn't ever been a part of before. And so desperate for Jesus, I came once again to the word and to his teaching, and I was just like clung to him and clung to his word because I couldn't get out of this. It was something that I I was tied to. And so I I remember listening to a a sermon on TV, and they were teaching about 2 Chronicles, and it's a great story. If you want to read the whole story, I'm just going to throw some, some snippets at you. But if you want to go and read this story for yourself, it's very powerful. See, throughout the Bible, we see these, like, you know, God's people. It's kind of this David and Goliath story. We have David and Goliath, but then we have so many other stories where God's army and God's, God's people are faced up more. They're facing more than, than, they can, um, than they can handle on themselves, and so they need God. And this was one of those things where God's people were outnumbered, and they had to go to battle. And it says in verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehoshaphat, Sorry, I said that wrong. Son of Zechariah. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judea and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go march down against them, for you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And verse 20, it says, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. 
As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They went out ahead of the battle, thanking God. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever was their battle cry. They were praising and giving thanks before the victory. So I literally began to just praise God every day. Like I would just be putting on my uniform and I would just be so stressed and just getting physically sick. And I just began to worship and praise. And I would just be like putting on my my uniform and I would just be like, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And I'd put on that tie. I hated that tie. I'd put on this tie and I would just start singing, you are good. You are more powerful (coughs) than these people who are doing this to your people. You are bigger than them. I'd get in the car and I'd start listening to worship music all the way there. And you know, this environment was, you know, it was just weird for a lot of reasons, but there wasn't a lot of friendships. It was just like really, just women who had just been through and seen it all. And there was this like sort of respect that we started to have as we struggled together. But there wasn't like, this friendship. And I remember a year I did this, a year I, I praised and I prayed for revelation. And the man that was doing this um, at work, he, was, he had a wife and two kids and went to my church at that time. And I just remember praying for revelation, praying that God would do something, that God would fight this battle for me. And one year later, I walked into work and I was um, making my iced teas and one of the girls that I had a relationship with It wasn't a friendship. It was just this, like, we're in this struggle together. And she looked at me, and she said, he's gone. And we just all started just, like, dancing. It was just like, ding, dong, the witch is dead. Like, we were just, like, so excited. Like, praise God, hallelujah. I could not believe it. And from that point on, there was investigations, and there was other people that had lost their jobs. And it was just, like, a huge miracle and move of God, I believe, that took place. And as I took my iced teas out in that moment... I walked out to deliver them to my pastors at the time who would come and sit in my section a lot. And they offered me right then and there a job in a full-time ministry, a job out of waiting tables, a job that I had been praying for that had weekends off. My oldest was 12. I, I could go to a game on a Saturday, holidays off, health insurance. The mission was over and God had a new one for me. And again, I thought, oh my gosh, it's to make me happy. No. (laughs) There's another story for another time. When I say our workplace is our mission field, I believe it from the depths of me. I've seen miracles happen, and God is using you, and he has a plan for you. And in the same way, I've seen the same work happen in my home. Pain and struggle has sent me to my knees over and over and over again in prayer for my family. And God has upheld us. In 1 Thessalonians it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, not just the good ones. In all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I truly believe that if we began to just live that out and we were consistent, we would see change happen. In the Deeply Formed Life, the book that I was telling you about, um, there's a portion on vocation where he talks about how 
some, like, it's very common that we see holy work as the work that those in the church are doing. We see the holy work as those who are missionaries on mission field or who work in nonprofit humanitarian work. That's the holy work. And he challenges that idea. He says, the work of artists, builders, teachers, parents, entrepreneurs, and bus drivers is on the same level. We collectively join to make the world a better place, each of us doing our part. To see all work as holy is a spiritual practice that pushes back on spiritual elitism that obscures God's good vision for all creation. Can we see all work as holy, even the work we don't want to do? Can we see the work of others as holy? including the work of parenting, whatever that looks like, stay-at-home mom, working mom, moms of children with special needs, single moms, foster and adoptive moms, women who have chosen to not be moms. Can we see it all as holy? And because of what Jesus did for us in his earthly ministry, And because he came and he lived a perfect life and he set the example for us and he took on our punishment, died, rose again, and because of what his spirit continually does now through us, can we see it as holy? Let's all work as holy and see our vocation together as advancing the cause of Christ through the work of justice, mercy, and love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much that you are working in and through us. Wherever we find ourselves today, whether we love our situation or we are just crying to get out of it, Father, I pray that you would meet us there, that we would be inspired to look at our calling and live out our calling in a whole new way, that we are in Jesus Christ May we be a part of your redemptive plan for the earth and bringing your will here from heaven. We love you so much. I pray for every woman, those who are feeling the great joys of this day and those who are feeling great sorrow. I pray that your grace and your supernatural joy would be a blessing over them this morning and all the days of their lives. We love you so much in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.